What's going on, listeners? Welcome to the Professionally Silly Station recorded on the Anchor app. I'm your audible boo thing, Amber Smiles Jones, and this is the podcast where you can experience some silly, some random, and some weird, hosted by me, a melanated goddess slash comedian. So put your headphones on, get on the treadmill, clean your house, or enjoy my podcast while you're on the toilet. Wherever you are, you can take Professionally Silly with you. All right? (laughs) Today, I've got a special episode for you. Um, We are going to discuss the dark theories behind the Lion King. Now, I I know that that sounds crazy, but believe me, there is a lot to discuss. And after doing the research, I find I find a lot of it is logically understandable. I'm, (laughs) I'm about to blow your minds like out of the back of your heads with these crazy theories. And uh, I I may even educate you a bit, too. Okay, so make sure you're paying attention, (laughs) boo-boos. Oh, oh, have you guys seen the new Lion King, the remake, the one that came out this year? I I got lucky enough to see it uh, at the screening at the IMAX headquarters a few days before the Lion King hit theaters, which was awesome. It was so much fun. And uh, there was an after party and everything. Anywho, you guys know. I made a vlog on my YouTube channel about it, so (laughs) go ahead and check that out. My channel is also called Professionally Silly, so it's very easy to find. Uh, The link should be in the description box below of whatever platform that you're you're listening uh, this podcast on. Uh, The video is entitled, I Went to the Lion King Movie Screening at the IMAX headquarters, so it's pretty pretty easy to find, so (laughs) check it out. Uh, But it was a lot of fun, plus I got a chance to use my new GoPro Hero 7 Black camera and when I tell you that camera is amazing I'm not kidding all right but let's go ahead and get on to the dark theories behind the Lion King before we get started I want to remind you guys to feel free to uh, call in and share your opinion about this or any podcast episode here on professionally silly and join in on the silly and random or just call to say hey 805-664-1828 once again 805-664-1828 please leave a review on the podcast via apple podcast or the many other platforms that the podcast is available i want to know what you guys think about the topics that we discuss here on professionally silly all right let's get dark with the lion king Well, that was certainly a fun sound to get things started, wasn't it? <laughs> okay, guys, so the first theory is kind of interesting, but I, I, I don't want to be blamed for it. Just, just like many of you, I grew up with The Lion King, you know, being the best Disney movie of all time, or maybe that's just my opinion, but no matter which Lion King you saw, the original or the remake, when you think of Mufasa, you think of him as the good guy. But there are a lot of people out there who think of Mufasa as the villain. Now, I, I myself don't agree with this one, but the theory kind of the theory kind of has some logical sense to it. What is the circle of life? You know, is is it's just a way to trick other animals into being okay with being eaten? An ideology created by someone who wanted to rule over everything? Now, take a second to think about that. The animals especially, 
especially the ones that the lions eat, are pretty much told that they have a purpose in the circle of life, even though their purpose is to die, to be consumed as food. Now, the lions pretty much have their pick of any animal. Okay, and Timon and Pumbaa figured that shit out pretty quick and they found themselves a new home and even invented themselves a new way of living, which we will discuss later on, Akuna Matata. <laughs> Not sure if you guys ever heard of that wonderful phrase, but uh... so anyways, Pride, I know it's really corny. Pride Rock is segregated. The hyenas don't get to live amongst the other animals. They live in a dark, shadowy place, a place Simba actually referenced as the elephant's graveyard and we'll also discuss that later as well so was Mufasa the villain because he didn't actually treat everyone equally was the circle of life a scam and it kind of blows your mind when you think about it because it logically kind of makes sense but no one really wants to think that Mufasa could be in that type of category but it is interesting tell me What do you think? Okay, so I've got another theory here that I want to talk with you guys. And the theory is that the Lion King is similar to the Planet of the Apes, a movie where there were few human beings and all apes could speak. A movie that basically was about the downfall of the human race. And that's some creepy shit when you think about it. Um, So The Lion King took place during the apes' universal reign. Now, I know this is crazy, but again, it is kind of interesting. Lion King takes place in a future where apes have already taken over humans. And it seems other animals have joined in on that. So... Almost to the same level as the apes, but not quite. (laughs) But uh, where are the people in The Lion King? Where are we? There are none of us. We are nowhere to be seen. Did the animals take us out? Did we become extinct? Was there an animal versus human civil war that we didn't miss? Like, what happened? There are just a lot of question marks out there. And all the animals, of course, they speak English as well. And they make animal sounds, too thus letting us know they are still naturally primal. (sighs) This is just a lot to to think about. I just, I love getting the opportunity to use the word thus, by the way. Thus letting us know that they're still naturally primal. Thus. I gotta, we gotta use that more. Um, (laughs) So because perhaps the uh, the simian flu, the virus that originally enabled uh, the, the apes to speak, and increase their intelligence somehow infected the other animals. Maybe that's what happened. This now enabling them to have human-like behaviors. Of course, with the movie Planet of the Apes, the virus was easily contracted and any animals could have come into contact with humans with the virus. Now we, of course, we can't forget about the modern day references to human culture made by the animals in The Lion King. Now, how, how, would, how would they know about it? Now, remember the scene where Zazu jokingly said to Mufasa, perhaps, maybe not jokingly, said to Mufasa that Scar would make an excellent throw rug. 
or the fact that Pumbaa seems to know what stars are. He refers to them as big balls of gas. Now, all this kind of shows us that the animals somehow have been exposed to human culture and human knowledge. Now, look at Rafiki. He seems to be the wisest and most intelligent of them all. He seems to hold great power compared to the rest of the animals. And he is, of course, a part of the ape family. And he certainly seems to hold a superior position toward all the other animals. Apes were the first animals uh, that were able to rebel against human regression. So, of course, Rafiki was the big man on campus, you know. So another uh, interesting tip here that you may not know is the Lion King was actually uh, based off a location in Kenya, Africa, a real place in Africa uh, at Hell's Gate National Park. And uh, that's even the location of the real Pride Rock. So Pride Rock is a real place, (laughs) you know. Now, uh, of course, it's no secret that human beings are responsible for the extinction of many animals as well as other crimes against nature. Lions in Africa are often hunted, not just for their fur or because, you know, they attacked a human. But um, as humanity began to grow further out into the wild, including wherever you're wherever you live now uh listener <laughs> wherever you live now we we have all we all have this need to protect our territory because don't forget we're animals too you know like for instance when you're walking down the street ladies and you got your purse you're clutching it pretty nicely everybody's you, your cell phones your wallets your cars you know we have security cameras and alarms we all want to protect our territory that is human nature so <clears throat> so the Lion, excuse me, guys. So the Lion King uh, was the first Disney movie that was created with the complete absence of human being culture. Now, besides the ability to speak English, of course, but <laughs> while uh, <laughs> while other movies with cartoon animals will either have the presence of human beings in them or the animals themselves will be immersed in human culture. They do things like wear clothing, drive cars, and things of that nature. Now, could the creators of The Lion King intentionally done this to shed a light on this? Is it that deep? I don't know. I guess it could all make sense depending on your beliefs and, you know, (laughs) but it's, it's all very interesting to think about. All right, guys, trust me, that sound you heard was very creepy because we're going to discuss something that is very terrifying. Politics. (laughs) We're going to look behind the political theory of the Lion King. Um, It's actually kind of interesting when you think about it. Well, if you know your history and if you don't, I'm going to educate you. It's going to be okay. (laughs) Now, some say that perhaps the Lions of Pride Rock represents the... British imperialists colonizing Africa, and the rest of the animals represents the African people. Okay, so I'm about to drop some knowledge on y'all real quick, okay? Let's get to learning, (laughs) y'all. In the late 1800s, European imperialists gained control over a lot of Africa. Imperialism is the uh, domination of one country's political, 
economic and or cultural life. In short, that means they run and shit. Now, European colonies have been establishing themselves by building colonies and empires in other countries since the late 1400s. So pretty much white folk, you know, was taken over. That's, that's what was happening. They just came over like, well, this is a nice, this is quite a nice place. Yes. Let's assume it's inhabited and and take over. Oh, oh, and if anyone tries to stop us, violence is is of sorts commendable and yet necessary. That's my best British accent because I am sober right now. (laughs) Imperialism brought a lot of money and clout to the Europeans, but to those in the colonies established by the Europeans did not have a great time. A lot of them were beaten, starved, and even killed. In other words, slaves. Now, in about the span of 40 years, the European imperialists took over pretty much everything south of the Sahara and Africa. And, um, of course, those most of those Europeans thought that uh, what they were doing was courageous and noble. No, it was not. Okay. So uh, they thought that they were the shit and everyone else needed to be like them in short. Sound familiar? Not just for the Lion King, but also for American history as well as many other countries. So I know, yeah, that was some dark shit. Believe me now. that Germany has built up in four years swings in honor past Hungary's strongman Admiral Horty. The young men of the new German Reich welded into a mighty war machine. So obviously uh, this next one is super dark. We throw in now the question whether or not Scar was a Nazi type leader. Yeah, that's that's pretty dark. Um, Remember in The Lion King during the Be Prepared song, which um, it it was actually one of my favorite Lion King songs. I'm not going to lie. It was (laughs) legit like top three. (laughs) But during that song, the hyenas were marching in sync. Now, very similar to the way uh, the Nazis marched. Now, the marching was in a very specific orderly pattern. Their extremities were straight and even. Turns out that scene was mimicked from a movie called Triumph of the Will, a film from the 1930s made to convince people to join the Nazi party. Pretty much Nazi propaganda. Now, of course, we have Scar singing about you know, killing his brother and nephew and about how now he is going to take over. Now, of course, Hitler is not known for his singing voice, but his speeches had the same effect on the German people, you know, that Scar's song had on the hyenas. Now, in the Be Prepared musical scene, Scar's hyenas are grouped in a similar formation called goose stepping, almost the same exact way as the formation of the Nazi soldiers in the film and actual Nazi soldiers. Now, I had to kind of, I had to Google the definition of goose stepping and exactly what it was. And this is what I found. The goose step is a special marching step that is performed on formal military parades and other ceremonies. While marching in a parade formation, troops swing their legs in unison off the ground 
while keeping each leg rigidly straight. Sound familiar? Now, in the Be Prepared scene, Scar has elevated himself for the majority of the musical sequence by standing on a cliff looking over his army. Now, this is very similar to how Hitler is portrayed in uh, many of the scenes of Triumph of the Will. Also, during the scene, uh, you may have noticed the beams of light that kind of shoot up around Scar while he's singing inside the cave. Now, these lights mimic the Cathedral of Light that was featured in many of the Nazi rallies during the 1930s. Now, I I I don't know, guys. (laughs) I don't believe in coincidence. You feel me? So this next theory is just as surprising as that transition of the glass breaking sound you just heard. Yeah, we're looking into our fifth dark theory about the Lion King. So the internet is a terrifying place. (laughs) Now there is a space available for all these people with so much time on their hands to think about things like this and share it amongst people like me with no time on their hands to read it and share with people like you. (laughs) So yeah, it's beautiful. Um, Circle of life, right? In the movie uh, Lion King, we know for a fact that Scar is not the rightful king. He's not as strong as Mufasa at all, and he knows it. Now, Scar also seems thinner and a bit more malnourished than everyone else, especially in comparison to Mufasa. In the original movie, there is a scene where Zazu is locked up in a jail and a jail cell and it's made of bones. And we see Scar lying on his back, holding a skull in his paws. Now, there's a Reddit user who decided to research, and he's one of those people with too much time on his hands, researched, and he found that the skull that Scar was holding, and, um, well, it, it's a lion's skull, apparently. So, now, <laughs> how this particular person was able to figure out what type of animal a cartoon skull was is beyond me, but kudos to them. But um, these are only theories. Now, in this scene, we see Skylar, excuse me, we see Skylar, we see Scar picking his teeth as well with another animal bone. Could that be the ribs of another lion? Who knows? Could Scar have eaten Mufasa's body after he died? Yeah. I mean, his body was just laying there lifelessly in the gorge. He ran Simba off. The hyenas were running after Simba. He was there with, with, with Mufasa's body all by himself. Now, we all know that in the shadows where Simba was not allowed to go, food and water was pretty much depleted. So when Scar took over, he overhunted and did the same exact thing to Pride Rock when he took over power there. Not to mention, we all know he was an evil son of a bitch. <laughs> Would it really be beneath him to eat his own kind? I don't know. 
What do you guys think about this? Do you think that people are overthinking things? Do you think that uh, somehow the creators are sharing their personal views on things? You know, cannibalism? Is that really something that they're going to kind of like (laughs) subtweet (laughs) into a Disney film? I don't know. Call in. Let me know. 805-664-1828. What's up, professionally silly listeners? Before we get back to the dark theories about The Lion King, I want to share some awesome information with you guys. If you like the Professionally Silly podcast and would like to support my podcast, you can. You can now make monthly contributions and you can contribute as low as 99 cents, $4.99, or $9.99 a month right here on the Anchor app. And if you have some commitment issues or you don't have the Anchor app, there's always PayPal. <laughs> so you can PayPal me at www.paypal.me slash Amber Smiles Jones. This will help bring the professionally silly brand to another level. And let's be honest, a lot of time and effort goes in creating content. It does. And it is super awesome to have the opportunity to better my podcast and the professionally silly brand plus you know our girl got bills to pay and chasing dreams is expensive af okay super excited to go on this journey with all of you smile squad thank you so much ahead of time for your support and future contributions okay guys let's go ahead and get back to these dark theories Man, I certainly hope that you guys are intrigued by what you're hearing and enjoying yourselves. Because I got to tell you, in researching for this episode, my mind has been blown so many times by all of these crazy, dark theories. And, you know, we're not even done yet. I, I've i got some, uh, some more random theories that I want to share with you guys. But first, here are some fun Easter eggs from the movie that... They aren't dark, but they are interesting. So, okay. So you guys remember uh, the scene from The Lion King where Mufasa and Zazu are having a conversation about Scar. And Mufasa says to Zazu, what am I going to do with him? And he, of course, is referencing uh, Scar. Then Zazu responds, he'd make a very handsome throw rug. <laughs> there you are with some modern day referencing. How would they even know what a throw rug is? Now, anyways, in uh, Disney's 1997 Hercules, there was a scene where Hercules was wearing a lion skin around his shoulders that looked exactly like Scar. Now, Hercules casually tosses it onto the floor as if it were a what? A throw rug. <laughs> See? Not creepy at all. Just interesting. But to be honest, um, finding Easter eggs in child movies, especially dealing with Disney, DreamWorks, and or you know, or Pixar films, they tend to drop little fun extras in their movies from their past films. So that's that's nothing new. And uh, by the way, the Lion King team swears up and down that you do not see the word sex in the clouds. <laughs> now, uh, for the for, for the uh, longtime viewers, um, 
of the Lion King, those of you who just kind of studied it and you just heard about all these crazy theories online, they claim that the clouds of dust formed the word sex about halfway through the film. Uh, about halfway through the film, Timon, Simba, and Pumbaa are lying on their backs and they're looking at the stars. When he walks over to the edge of the cliff and plops himself onto the ground, he causes dust to float above him. I'm speaking about Simba. And uh, supposedly the dust forms the word sex into the sky. Now, of course, one of the film's animators, Tom, uh, Tom Sito, excuse me, has since confirmed that there was a word intentionally spelled out in the dust. There was, but it's not as filthy as people originally thought. He insisted the letters actually spell SFX. Now, he goes on to explain that uh, it was an inside joke for the film's arts and special effects department, and SFX is actually used to abbreviate the term special effects. So, uh, I don't know, it's really up to you guys. What do you think? Call in and let me know. 805-664-1828. Okay, guys, let's go ahead and get back to the dark part. Did that rhyme? Nah, I kind of forced it. Welcome back to the dark, creepy theories about the Lion King. (laughs) There are um, a lot of questions regarding the elephant graveyard. Questions like, why is there an elephant graveyard, but no mention of a graveyard for other animals? Why are the hyenas banished to live there? The elephant's uh, graveyard is a location where it is pretty much a barren wasteland filled with the remains of elephants who have gone there to die, possibly of old age, perhaps, or illness. It's, it is rocky and dry and has an incessant fog that casts a shadow over the area even during the day. Now, one of the big questions is why do the elephants go to one place to die? Apparently, there is evidence that elephants' remains can be found localized in certain spots. There are several theories about this, but no one is 100% sure of actually where an elephant graveyard comes from. It's still got a lot of question marks about this. Now, one of the theories has to do with their teeth. I, I know that sounds strange, but hear me out, okay? Elephants' molars are continuously replaced about, uh, you know, their entire lives, throughout their entire lives. New teeth grow in the back of their molars, and uh, that pushes the old ones out towards the front. Now, apparently, they can cycle through six sets of molars through their entire lives, and um, an elephant can live for about 50 to 60 years. Now, of course, there will come a time when they do not have functional teeth, you know, at old age, of course, meaning they would have to struggle to process, you know, they would have a hard time struggling uh, to process tough plants as elephants are herbivores and could possibly be drawn to wherever water can be found as well as softer or more nutritious plants. This, of course, is the fate that many elephants eventually do meet. So it makes sense that their remains would be discovered around the same areas. Now, another theory could be as elephants get sicker, 
from whatever caused their illness, uh, they may seek out water for hydration. But of course, a sick elephant may end up dying at the same watering hole and their remains may add up over time. Now, in the Lion King movie, the graveyard has a lot of seismic activity. And we're talking about tremors, geysers, random lava everywhere, earthquakes, uh, tar pits. (laughs) And we can't forget about, of course, the elephant carcasses and bones everywhere. So it's it's definitely not a vacation spot. I I, I gotta say, you don't want to Airbnb there. Um, Now, there are starving hyenas everywhere. And if you ask me, they are completely insane. Well, at, at least in the original Lion King movie. Perhaps those toxic fumes coming from the elephant graveyard is why they aren't so bright. I don't know. But in the remake, they did not make the hyenas seem as unintelligent. So I wonder why that was. Possibly because hyenas are actually very intelligent animals? I don't know. But uh, the thing about the elephant graveyards kind of makes sense. Hmm? Kind of makes you think. Okay, so now we are going to discuss the true relationship between lions and hyenas. Now, believe it or not, lions and hyenas are natural enemies. This is because they tend to go after the same prey as they are both on top of the food chain, which, you know, is referenced many times in the Lion King movie. Now, lions are about three times larger than hyenas and are capable of killing larger animals on their own. But a group of hyenas can work together to intimidate a lion away from its kill and steal it. But lions have learned to recognize the feeding calls of a hyena after a kill so they can steal their kills as well. There was a lot of things that rhymed there. You can't tell me there wasn't. Okay, so they kind of steal from each other. It's just what they do. It's a hate-hate relationship. Uh, Neither are preyed upon by other animals, so they do have that in common. Now, I actually saw a YouTube video not too long ago about a lion by himself that was surrounded by a pack of hyenas, a male lion, uh, mind you. So we're talking about at least 20 to 25 hyenas. Now, of course, a lion amongst other lions would have no problem taking care of that pack as they are fierce hunters and know how to handle business. But in this particular video, the lion was on his own and did manage to fight off as many of the hyenas as he could. Unfortunately, he did he did not do so unscathed. You know, he they got their little bites and their nibbles, uh, unfortunately. But luckily, at the very last moment, as the hyenas began to close in and uh, another lion, another male lion happened to show up and assist him. Now, one lion cannot take on a pack of hyenas but another male lion two lions they can definitely get the job done now the hyenas made the smart decision and they ran off and to be honest with you i never thought that i would find myself rooting for a lion to get away you know in in the wild you know (laughs) especially in a wild animal video because they are usually the ones doing the attacking Now, if the hyenas and lions were forced to live together in the Lion King, where uh, there would be complete chaos and war over territory constantly in Pride Rock. Now, the hyenas in the Lion King completely overhunted and used up the resources way too quickly. 
and perhaps that's why Mufasa exiled them to the elephant's graveyard. And it, it makes a lot of sense to me. Now, once Scar and the hyenas took over, they did the exact same thing to Pride Rock that they did to the quote-unquote elephant graveyard. Now, once again, these are just theories, and they're dark as hell, but they're hella interesting. Now, I have no idea. Uh, I really didn't have any idea that lions and hyenas actually came across each other that often in the wild. They do, actually. And I I mean, like, often enough for researchers to be able to give us all this information. So, y'all, we are learning so hard together, y'all. We is learning so hard. Okay, so this next theory is not only dark, but it's kind of gross when you think about it. Simba and Nala, could they be related? <laughs> it, uh, it seems that Mufasa and Scar are the only male lions in Pride Rock. So could Simba and Nala be cousins or worse, siblings? Yeah, this, this just got hella dark for a Disney movie. Let's dig in. So this theory sort of makes sense if you're thinking like a lion living in a lion's world. There are usually two male lions and many female lions surrounding them in the pride. In The Lion King, uh, the only males were Scar and Mufasa and of course Simba once he was born. But once again, guys, this is only a theory. Now, what many people don't know is how lions actually behave in the wild. There can only be one male lion ruler. What happens is two male lions fight it out to rule the pride. Um, After the strongest lion wins, the females go into heat. The new ruler of the pride does his business with the ladies. You feel me? uh, But the dark part of this is they also kill the cubs that were under the last pride ruler that he uh, that he procrastinated. So, yeah, damn lions. Why y'all got to do the cubs like that? That's some evil shit. Now, when the male lions grow up, they go off on their own to find a new pride so that they don't reproduce with their siblings. So, thank goodness, it's the circle of life and not the incest of life. Thank God. Now, I gotta say, I'm super high-key glad that lions are not about that incest life. (laughs) I, I know that animals tend to do that, you know, and it's different when when people do that but to me it's gross either way so i i think um i think scar could be nala's father this is this is my take okay now simba takes on his father's red mange and brown eyes nala's eyes are blue green just like her mother um serafina uh so when you think about that also remember who what other lion has green eyes scar Okay, (laughs) so y'all just think on that for a bit. Most ladies like the bad boy type and Scar definitely takes the cake on bad boyness. Boyness. Is that a word? Well, it is today. (laughs) It's possible Scar and Mufasa are brothers, but perhaps Scar was adopted and they do not share a bloodline. If not, then as I said before, Simba and Nala could be related. I don't know which is still kind of weird to think about, even if it's just, you know, fictional animals. 
But uh, according to the Wild Kingdom, there usually is not two males, you know, that is in, that's covering a pride. It's usually one male. And if there is two males, which is very rare, there's always the alpha lion, which kind of describes the relationship between Scar and Mufasa. When Mufasa was alive, he was alpha, wasn't he? Man. I just gave y'all a lot to think about. How many of y'all are smoking right now while listening to me? I'm just curious. <laughs> Half y'all are like smoking what? You know what I'm talking about. Okay, guys. So before we get to the last theory... I just want to thank you guys for listening to my professionally silly podcast recorded here on Anchor. Maybe you're listening on another auditory platform. And if you are, you know what? That's good because that means your Audible Boo thing is available many places, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and seven other podcast platforms because your girl certainly gets around. Also, in other news, if you have ever wanted to start your own podcast, you definitely need to pay attention to what's next. Come join the podcasting community and share your voice here on Anchor. I'm sure you've got a lot to say. Now, there is a lot of fun to be had. There really is. Okay, guys, so let's get back to the dark theories behind The Lion King. (laughs) This last one is probably my favorite theory, Because, you know, psychologically, it kind of makes sense. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the last dark theory behind the Lion King. I mean, could <laughs> could there be more of a dramatic effect here? Like, aren't you just, can you just hear the drums roll, just rolling? Like, which, what, what's the last theory? I wonder what it is. How much time can she possibly waste before telling us the last dark theory of the Lion King? Let's go ahead and dig into it. I feel like I've wasted at least 10 seconds. Okay, so we have reached the the last and final dark theory about the Lion King. And this one involves the idea that Timon is a cult leader. Yep, you heard right, a cult leader. Um, Now, it's it's a little dark, but it kind of makes sense when you think about it. Now, I'm not saying that Timon, you know, was evil or, or, or... or has any of the other creepy stereotypical qualities that a cult leader usually has. I'm not saying that. But Timon was able to sense out vulnerable animals and introduce them to his way of life. Akuna Matata, right? Now, perhaps it's more than just a wonderful phrase, you know. <laughs> you see what I did there? Yeah. All right. So remember, when Simba met Timon and Pumbaa for the first time, Simba was depressed and super sad. I mean, his dad did just die and he blamed himself. If that's not vulnerable, I don't know what is. Now, Pumbaa, rightly so, was afraid because lions, as we said before, are on top of the food chain. But Timon convinced him 
that it would be beneficial to have a lion on their side. Now, he may have started as, you know, a little cub, but he would soon grow into a mighty lion. And of course, Simba is in a very vulnerable state after thinking he's responsible for the death of his father, Mufasa. Now, perhaps Timon recruited recruited uh, Pumbaa into his cult as well. You don't know. Pumbaa had a rough childhood and uh, didn't have anywhere else to go. In the Akuna Matata song, Pumbaa references his time as a young warthog. And he smelled horrible and <laughs> was uh, most likely casted out uh, from his kind because of his really strong scent. Uh, he could have been, eventually, he could have come across Timon, who was able to look past his natural stint, stench and uh, thought Pumbaa, taught Pumbaa his way of life. That's possible. Now, the, the life of no worries for the rest of his days sounds pretty good. So let's not forget that Pumbaa also is very protective of Timon. Why do you think that is? Does he feel like he owes Timon something? Who knows? So just think about that. Timon finds larger young animals at their most vulnerable state and takes them to live amongst the rest of the animals that he's convinced to live the way that he sees fit. I mean, when you think about it, it kind of makes sense. It just kind of weird to think, <laughs> you know, that for, you know, for a children's movie, it's just weird to think about that. But yeah, <laughs> when he was a young warthog, when I was a young warthog, I like that part. Just thought you might want to enjoy my vocals there. Look out, Beyonce, I'm coming for your fucking job. Man, I <laughs> so many things happened. We just went through some dark shit and we learned a lot of stuff today too, guys. So, but I have to say I had no idea that Lion King could be so dark, you know. I hope you guys um I hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll share it with a friend or someone who is a Lion King fanatic and you know, we can just crush their childhood dreams together nothing like destroying childhood memories, right? (laughs) If you are already a member of the Smile Squad, I appreciate your support. And if this is your first time listening to this station, thank you so much for joining. If you haven't already, go ahead and tap that subscribe slash favorite button so that you can be notified whenever I upload new podcast episodes. Also, um, if you want to follow me on any of my other social media platforms, I've got TikTok. You can follow me there at Amber. Smiles Jones. I've got Instagram, which is True Smiles Jones. Spelled true is spelled without the e. Everything else is spelled correctly. And the same for my Twitter. It's the same name at True Smiles Jones, along with a few others and uh, some clickable links in the description box of all of my YouTube videos, which is also called Professionally Silly. Remember I told you about that earlier? Yeah. So <laughs> follow, subscribe fan, like me, whatever, just (laughs) whatever you want to call it. Let's just laugh together and uh, learn together. Once again, I'm your audible boo thing, Amber Smiles Jones, 
And thank you so much for listening to the Professionally Silly Station here on Anchor FM, where I take my silliness seriously. (laughs) Feel free to call in about any episode of Professionally Silly that you've heard. And if uh, if you don't have the Anchor Anchor app, you know, you can always call or text 805-664-1828. Tell me which episode that you listen to and share your opinion, whatever it may be. Once again, 805-664-1828. Until next time, my loves, watch where you step because there's pieces of shit everywhere. Also, uh, you know, Akuna Matata. <laughs>